how you begin a day. This is how you begin a week. Or maybe this is how you end a week. I don't know how Sunday is for you. For me, Sunday is kind of like my finish line. I work and I prepare and I do everything so I'm ready for today. For others, you, you, this may be the end. You, you, this may be the beginning. You're, you're thinking about the week that's to come. You're thinking about the things that are coming. Either way, this is how you begin a week. In God's house, with God's people, with God's word. And one of the things that will become clear as we, as we open up God's Word together today in Mark chapter 1 is that worship, what we're doing right now. By worship, I'm thinking about the whole thing that we do on Sunday morning. Confessing, hearing, being forgiven, singing, conf- giving creeds. That's, that's worship. And, and what, what I want to bring together today is worship, this time together in, in, in God's Word, together with spiritual warfare. That's why the title of this is Worship is War. And I want to bring those two things together. I hope I can this morning. I, I hope it makes sense. I know it will as we open up God's Word. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1. Please stand out of respect for the words and the works of Jesus. This is from Mark chapter 1. One of the traditions we have here at Mount Lebanon is after we hear the gospel, I'll, I'll declare to you the gospel of the Lord. And you'll, because we're thankful for it, what do we do? We say, thanks be to God. So listen, listen to Jesus. Get on the way with his ministry. Then they, Jesus and his disciples, went into Capernaum. On the next Sabbath day, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. They were amazed at his teaching because he was teaching them as one who has authority and not as the experts in the law. Just then there was a man with an unclean spirit in their synagogue. He cried out, What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked the spirit, saying, Be quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit threw the man into convulsions, and after crying out with a loud voice, it came out of him. Everyone was so amazed that they began to discuss this with each other. They said, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He even commands the unclean spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread through all the region of Galilee. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Would you pray with me as we open up God's word? Lord Jesus Christ, you came with power and might and authority. Even the devil, especially the devil, submits to you. So I pray, Lord God, that these words of my mouth and the hearing of our hearts and our, in our ears, that all of this would be pleasing in your sight, that you would deliver us from the evil one and set us free to live and serve you. Uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If I haven't said it yet this morning, and I know I have, I'm glad you're here. I'm I'm glad you're here for a lot of really cool reasons. I'm glad you're here because the singing's better when there's more of you. I'm glad you're here because this journey that we share as followers of Jesus is hard by ourselves. 
I've thought to myself from time to time what it was like for John to be an isolated Christian on the island of Patmos. I'm glad you're here because this means that we're not doing this thing following Jesus by ourselves. I'm glad you're here for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons I'm glad this morning that you're here is because I know how hard it can be sometimes for you just to get here. I know that after a busy week with demands and schedules, getting up early, staying up late just to kind of function and make it through the week, I know that maybe Sunday morning might be the only morning that you have it to get a little bit more sleep. I know that the pillow might have been calling you names this morning and you wanted to put your head on it just to make it shut up. I'm glad you're here because I know how hard it was for you to wrangle your kids to get them dressed. I know how hard it was to get them a little bit breakfast. I, I know how many other things you have going on in your life in addition to what we do here at church. I know I'm glad you're here because it meant that you said no to something else, that you put aside the disturbance, the distraction, and you came anyway. I'm, I'm glad you're here because I also know that once you get here, it's not all fun and games. I know that, that, that sometimes you struggle with the songs, and you can decide which songs this morning were hard for you. Some of you will disagree about that. I know that the look of things might not always be what you'd like. I, I know that trying to pay attention to a sermon when you're trying to wrangle kids is really hard. I've heard parents say, and I've thought it to myself, even though I'm never the one sitting in the pew, or I'm not often the one sitting in the pew anymore, wrangling kids, but I've thought to my, I've heard moms and dads say, why should I come if I can't get anything out of it anyway? And those are kind of the practical concerns when it comes to church. I know how hard it can be to come to church because of the people here. And I know that you love all the people here, but the people here are sinners. And some of them said stuff about you. And some of them have said stuff to you. And some of them have done stuff against you. And maybe that someone is me. And I know that sitting in the pew with those people who hurt you can be tough. Because now there's this tension, this unresolved tension in your heart when you come. And you see them and your heart goes, ugh. And maybe your mind goes the entire service. I'm not trying to get you to go there. But I'm glad you're here because you came, even though it's hard. I don't think it's any surprise to you that when there's division and distraction, this is your first fill-in, that when there's division and distraction, it's the devil's work. It doesn't always seem that way, but I think one of the things we ought to say right here at the beginning is that the devil is behind the scenes trying to ruin our faith. And he will do a number of things. He will try to keep us from coming to church, won't he? He will fill your life up with all kinds of good things, the Martha things, the things that are, that are busy, that are good, that, are, that everybody else says, he will fill your life up with so many good things that you'll say no to the best thing. He'll fill you up, your life up with distractions and hurdles and challenges. It's just too hard to get up and come. Or maybe your schedule is such that sometimes Sunday morning is not one of those times that you can actually come. 
and so he'll keep you from the word. Or if he can't do that, he'll keep you from the people. He'll he'll drive a wedge through some sort of sin that you've committed against them or they've committed against you. He'll drive a wedge between you and other people here. The devil is in division and distraction. He's there. He's working. Here, Here at Mount Lebanon, one of the things that we say is that there are two things. There are really two things that God's people need as we walk toward heaven together. It's God's people and God's word. Those two things really do belong together because God's word needs to be preached by people to people. I couldn't preach a sermon if there was nobody here. And you couldn't hear a sermon if there wasn't anybody up here. Right? These two things, this is why connect groups are such a big deal for us because we not only want to bring the word to bear, but we want to deepen Christian relationships so that in good times and in tough times, you're walking together with somebody through life. The, the Christian faith, one of the things I dislike about the way we sit in church is that we're all, your, your, your faces are staring at the backs of other people when really the Christian life is a shoulder-to-shoulder experience. And the devil will do what he can. This is what I'm getting at. The devil will do what he can to separate you from God's word or God's people because if he can do one or the other, he will separate you from the one who can save you. not always that obvious among us that it's the devil, but it was quite obvious that day in, the, in Capernaum. You, you know how the story went. You, we read it just a moment ago. Jesus and his disciples, they did what Jesus always did. He, he went to the synagogue. This is just one of the habits that Jesus had. I think it's the Gospel of Luke said Jesus went to the synagogue as was his custom. It was just what he did. And when he went to the synagogue, he didn't just go there to preach. He also went there to hear. Oftentimes, he was the preacher, though. And and this was the way that their custom was when it came to preaching. They would stand up, the leader, the rabbi would stand up to read the word of God, and then he would sit down to preach. It's one of the reasons I have my custom of not preaching from the pulpit, because I want to make it clear there's, there's the word of God, and then there's me explaining it to you. And, and when Jesus went to the synagogue that day, he, he did some things that, that made people say, this, there's something different about this guy. He teaches like one with authority, not like the teachers of the law. See, the, the, this was their custom. Everybody would read and then they'd sit down to explain. The teachers of the law, this is how they would do it. They, they would lean on the fathers. They would lean on the ancient books. They would say, you have heard that it was said to the peoples long ago, this is how you should do it. But when Jesus came preaching, he did it a little bit differently. He said things like, you have heard that it was said, you shall not murder. I tell you that anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Or Jesus would say things like this, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. See, Jesus spoke to them. This is the difference. Jesus spoke to them. He spoke the word of God to them as God. (laughs) He spoke the word of God to them as the word of God made flesh. He spoke to them with authority because he was and is and ever shall be the ultimate authority. And there's Jesus sitting there in the synagogue holding forth, explaining, making it plain to the people. And then a man who was under the power of an unclean spirit started to make a ruckus. It was a little bit like uh, an episode of the Impractical Jokers. 
Except it wasn't just a little bit of a hubbub. It wasn't just a baby making a little bit of noise or a young child just trying to find their bearings. This was a man in an unclean spirit who stood up in the church and started to yell back at Jesus. Who, what's to you and to us, Jesus? What are you doing here, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? This, this demon is throwing down. He's picking a fight. Martin Luther said, and he's not the only one who said it, that where God builds a church, the devil builds a chapel right next door. Dear people of God, the devil knows what you need. This is the fill-in. The devil knows what you'll need, and he will do whatever he can to keep you from it. He knows that you need the word. He knows that you need God's people. And he will do whatever he can to keep you from it. And here's the problem. You let him do it. That's the next fill-in. You let him do it. When you're tired, you stay in bed sometimes. I'm glad you're here. When there's divisions, you let it fester instead of reconciling, instead of forgiving, instead of moving into it, forgiving and being reconciled to one another. We, we let him divide us from one another. Instead of just figuring it out and forgiving each other, we bear these frustrations and angers in our hearts. We, we, we sit here and we stew. We let him rile us up. We let him divide us. We, we let him push us away from God's word. When, the, when Adam tried to say, the devil made me do it, God said, no, you ate the fruits. The devil will do what he can, what he must. Nothing's off the table to keep you from God and his word. But neither will Jesus. See, Jesus knows what you need too. And that's why when this devil stood up in church that day and started to pick a fight with Jesus, Jesus shut him down. See, understand that what Jesus is doing here in his preaching ministry, this is the prophet Jesus doing his preaching ministry, his teaching ministry. When This is God on the scene refusing to let the devil have his way. That's the fill-in. This is God on the scene refusing to let the devil have his way. And so when the devil stands up in church that day, Jesus doesn't just say, oh, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. What did he do? This is not your house, Satan. This is not where you belong. This is the place where God's people come. This is not your house, Satan. This is the place where forgiveness is given. This is the place where God's word is explained and applied. This is, this is the place where I come to be with my people. See, Jesus knew that he owned the devil. The devil was his pawn. The devil was his devil. Did you notice the demon tries to unravel Jesus? Unravel this kingdom of God movement? And do you see how it backfired on him? Did you catch it? Jesus sent the devil out, silence, be still, get out of here, demon. And he did. And instead of unraveling the ministry of Jesus, did you notice? He even casts out demons. This is Jesus. We got to listen to him. 
See, instead of undermining the authority of Jesus, he underpinned it and gave it a foundation. This is Jesus. He even casts out demons. This is why I've been saying to you all day today that worship is war. It's a spiritual war. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus made this promise to us as church. He said that, the, this is the final, he said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We're the church. We often think about this promise of Jesus in Matthew 16 as a defensive thing, like a defensive posture, like we're the city and, and the hosts of hell are coming at the city and Jesus is promising that, the, that hell won't be able to overcome the city of God, the people of God, the church of God. And that's true. Jesus does promise that hell can't separate us from the love of God, that the devil can throw his darts, but there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But when was the last time your front door came after you? When was the last time you were walking down the street and all of a sudden your neighbor's gates started chasing you? When was the last time gates chased people? See, that's what I'm getting at. I, what I'm trying to get at here is that this promise of Jesus that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church is not a defensive promise, but rather an offensive promise. That with the gospel of Jesus Christ in the strong name of Jesus, the church charges forward and breaks down the door of hell, setting people free. In other words, Worship is war, and we're invading hell and setting people free from the captivity of death. See, what we're doing here and now is we're invading hell and setting people free from sin and guilt and shame. There's forgiveness here. Right? What we're doing here is we're forgiving sins and reconciling brothers and sisters in Christ. What we're doing here is, is by word and sacrament, we're giving the Holy Spirit to strengthen you for lives as followers of Jesus. We are not here in a merely defensive posture. We're here with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And by it we charge for each other and for the world. Dear people of God, today let's plant our feet. I'm serious about this. Let's plant our feet in the word and the promises of God. And, and let's say things like, like this. We will not let our weariness keep us from God's word. In the strong name of Jesus and by the power of his spirit living in us, we will get up and we will value and engage with and meditate and receive the word of God. And we will not let our guilt or our shame keep us from God. In the strong name of Jesus, we will come to him to receive forgiveness. And we will not let these things that come between us, the wounds that we cause one another to, to divide us. In the strong name of Jesus, we will forgive each other and we will be reconciled to one another. In the strong name of Jesus, we will not have the, let the devil have his way with us. In the strong name of Jesus, 
we will stand on the power of God's Word and the promises of Jesus, and we will say to Him, this is not your house. This is Jesus' house. This is the place, and now is the time where He comes to be with us. Amen? Amen. Now the God of peace grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. Amen.